0: Hi, everyone. This is Raul Pal, the CEO and co-founder of Real Vision, and welcome to my podcast. Every week, I'm lucky enough to speak to tons of smart and innovative people in the financial game. I get so much insight from these conversations, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast, so I can share that knowledge with you. I hope you learn from the discussions, and you can always find more in-depth content at realvision.com. Enjoy the show. I met Keith a couple of years ago maybe maybe a year and a half ago and he's become a good friend of mine and we see each other more on zoom than we do in person but that's the world we live in these days keith is not only a really smart guy he's doing some really interesting stuff he's a real pioneer with this 100 year old brand and he started with um nfts of covers he's built a massive community but that's just the start of keith he can't keep him down he is like that beach ball the beach ball that you can't keep down that will come up in the interview is He's doing everything and he sees everything and meets all sorts of extraordinary people. And where this Web3 world is going, Keith is one of the best people in the world who knows it at a broad level. So I absolutely love speaking to him and it's always good fun. Keith Grossman, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? It is. It is wonderful to see you, my friend. So, just before we get cracking into whatever the hell we're going to talk about, because we've no idea, just give people a bit of background of what you do. I know you're pretty well known already, but just in case people don't,
1: sure. So, uh, my name is Keith Grossman. I'm the president of Time. I've been at Time for about three and a half years, and um, uh, in my capacity, you know, um, uh, really been focused on um, how do we evolve the brand for the next hundred years, and in the past year or so. Been focusing primarily on um, furthering Time's Web three agenda, and you know we took time into Web three almost two years ago at this point, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, But you know during that time, you know we've evolved from one of one sales to accepting cryptocurrency for digital subscriptions to you know creating a community of nearly sixty thousand members and eighty. Um, nine timepiece artists. And so, um, you know, today we have three businesses uh, that touch the Web3 business. It's the consumer facing business, which we call Timepieces. Um, we have what's called a blockchain to big screen, which is um, looking at a great IP that's being developed within the Web3 space. And we could talk about that, right? Because, you know, there's no I would say traditional gatekeepers saying, this is great IP or not. You're seeing communities vote with dollars. And, um, uh, and we turn those into television shows. And we currently have two in, pro- in um, production with Nirvana, um, with uh, Pablo Stanley and Will Lee. Um, and then the final is our B2B business, which is helping other brands and organizations enter into Web3. And you saw that with um, the city of Miami and Francis Suarez. Um, and what we're doing with Salesforce and MasterCard. And then you uh, also saw it recently with Galaxy Digital, um, uh, who I know you know, Mike, very well, probably. Um, And then we have a few others to be announced.
0: So, okay, you've moved on fast since when I last spoke to you. This is what worries me is you're moving at bloody lightning speed. I'm trying to catch up. So, right, let's go through the consumer product first, because that's what people were familiar with. Where are you with that? What's going on? Where are you going? And then we'll go through the other lines in a bit, and then we'll get into some general stuff.
1: Uh, Of course. So, so look, I I mean, I think that for any any brand, right, whether it's Time or Real Vision or others, like you want to think about, you know, what's your audience and who's your community, right? And both are very important, right? But the reality is, is like an audience shows up, and engages for a moment, and a community wants to stay around and build and really wants to engage deeply with your brand. Um, Audience is great for reach, right? But community is really important for, I would say, sustaining power, right? Long-term sustaining power. And um, what I I find with Web3 in particular, um, as it relates to media brands, is that it gives you the opportunity to activate a community, whereas you may traditionally just have an audience. Right. So, if you think about Web two and earlier relationships with media brands, um, take time. Um, it, you know, we were before. You know, this started recording, talking about sort of global economic trends. Um, you know, if you're interested in that topic and you search for something, you know, perhaps you see an article written by Ian Bremmer, who's a contributing writer for Time. Um, uh, you see that it's Ian Bremmer. You see it's the topic that you want. You see it's time. You trust, you like, and it's you know aligned with your interests. You click on it, you read it, and then you leave. And that's what an audience is, right? And that's usually what most people's relationship is with brands, right? What a community does, though, instead is, is a community shows up every day, right? A community... Wants to build The community. Says, you know, have you considered doing this? A community says, why aren't you doing that? A community is not always positive, right? But a community's negativity is really constructive. And, um, you know, I didn't really notice the difference between community and audience until I was at uh, Wired and Ars Technica early in my career, and I saw that Wired had mass reach on an audience, but Ars Technica had a really strong community—people who would constantly be reinforcing each other and helping each other and fixing each other. And, and um, that community created a really powerful brand. And what I see with Web3 is by extension, you have that ability to tap into an identified community. And so with Time Pieces, what's really interesting is, is Time Pieces is just 60,000 people, right? In a community today, whereas Time holistically reaches about 100 million people. And it shows you how early we are, right? that 60,000 people in the first year essentially generated $10 million in profit for the organization. But over here, when you look at the organization, the organization's about 100 million people a month, right? In terms of audience reach. Um, and so you realize like the, the larger the community can become, the stronger the community can, can become, the more engaged the community can become, um, the better it is for the brand. Um, uh, I think long-term, and it also the better it is for the brand from, from a health perspective economically. And so for timepieces like right now, we are currently working on our, um, on our next um, drop. Um, uh, I'm really excited about sort of where it's going. Every single drop we've ever done has been sort of an iteration on where we're seeing the marketplace go um uh, i 'm not at the point where I could discuss where it is, but I can say it 's fully interactive, fully decentralized and um uh and very immersive
0: and how do you what are the economics involved in doing something like this you know what does the what does the community get out of it how does how does it work for time because it's the one thing I love about web three it 's very open right everybody kind of knows what 's what so how yeah. how does it how does it work that it that it feels like everybody's participating in something
1: Sure. So so I think like let's start with let's start with um like you know the economics of just the relationship between the creator and the brand, right? Um because it's all public, right? Um, you know, if you look at the economics of um you know like the traditional publishing industry, um take something like this, right? And I just happen to have it within one. Because I happen to have that NFT as well, right? I bought that. Right. Okay, so, so so I love this cover, right? Here you have Micah Johnson, a coup, like literally one of the most well-known, um, you know, Web three creators. Um, when Micah did the cover of Time, right, he was paid a stipend, which is what you pay sort of the artists to do the cover, and the stipend let's just say was X. And, um, and Time now owns the rights to this cover forever, right, in its current iteration. For the NFT, though, you know, we do what we always do with everything. First, 1% goes to charity, right? And then uh, the remainder was split evenly between Time and Micah Johnson, right? And when we actually produced this as an NFT, you know, it did close to $400,000 in sales, right? And he did- so like right when this was done like I was able to with the team transfer nearly $200,000 to Micah Johnson, right? And you start to look at it and you say okay, so the relationship between the brand and the creator all of a sudden changes dramatically, right? And that's all one chain, right? So people could see that, right? Whatever the amount was, we essentially split it evenly after we give the 1% to charity. Um, and and we've done that for timepieces, and you know, in the past year, we've been able to donate six hundred thousand dollars to charity, right? Which has been amazing. We've donated it to either, um, uh, you know, humanitarian aid in Ukraine um, or to um, uh, democratic free press organizations. Like well, the idea of warm crypto, and I think that it's a really important topic. I think is a great onboarder of people into Web three. Um, you remember, I, I shared with you the other day, I was doing something for New York Cares. I raised nearly $200,000, you know, by myself for for web, uh, for web New York Cares through an NFT drop. But then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, so what does the community get out of it, right? Now, you know, like, we do not look at these token drops and say um, uh, they are uh, X value, Y value. We say... Um, Uh, We believe that they're worth X or Y. And if you want them, they're up to you. And we let the marketplace determine value at its own discretion. But what we do do is is we say, okay, um, here are different things that provide unique experiences, right? Or access to certain areas. So, um, you know, like we token gate our community. Um, If you allow certain parts of our community, if you have a timepiece token in your wallet, you can connect it to time.com and remove the paywall um, person of the year is coming up in December we'll have raffles where if you own timepieces you'll be able to gain access to potentially attending person of the year right in that event um, you know we uh, we do special talks with certain people that we only allow accessible to people who own timepiece tokens and you know more than anything else we try to always partner with great artists and um, and come
0: up with creative ideas so that way people can as we've talked about in the past, you know, time, even the name alone, its the covers have been known as a period in time. That's why the moment that, that Aku piece came out, you know, I immediately had to buy it because it was important. Now, whether it has monetary value or not to me is irrelevant. It's because it was a moment in time because I know you, I know what you're doing, I know Micah, and I just think it was a moment in time that was really important for everybody in Web3. And so I just wanted to own it. And, you know, I love that. Now, whether it goes up or down in price, I've, I've never even checked it, not once. Oh, I love that. I mean, I love that, right? And that's and that's the goal, right? And that's why I think it's important, right, for
1: for us, when we uplift great artists, right, um, uh, with the Time brand, like we want to validate the, the artists with the brand. And, you know, the brand also gets validated by the artists through their community. And, you know, I think that, you know one of the things that we've been very 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 focused on is is being a values based community, which I've spoken about at length, especially even with you um and not being a greed based community, right and so like I don't look at floor prices, I don't look at things like that, you know I look at making sure that people have pieces that they just look and cherish and love,
0: right and uh, you know have staying power how does then how does time make money out of that if all of the money goes to charity goes to the artist, sure. etc. So, so one the first one
1: percent of primary and secondary sales goes to charity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then the remaining ninety nine percent is split evenly between the creators and time, right? So, time makes money as as part of the secondary of the secondary, the
0: of the secondary. Uh, and on the primary, right? So, oh, right. if
1: yeah. if if we split it evenly, right, it goes one percent goes to charity, and then the remaining ninety nine percent is split between the artist and time,
0: right? Get it. And how the hell do you account for it?
1: Oh my god. <laughs> we're, okay. we're trying
0: to think about this. Because like our NFT community now is worth like 20 million bucks. We have no idea to it's, do with it. We've got a treasury of stuff. We don't even know how to sell it. We have no idea. So so
1: it's it's very difficult, right? So um, you know, we pay the artists in perpetuity, if they're timepiece artists, every three months. And um this is where you could see that we're really early in the cycle, right? So uh, you want to talk about like people could talk about very early and I can talk about at length, like what I think is the prohibitive factors of mass adoption. But like when you get really in the weeds every few months, I have to email OpenSea. I have to request a CSV file. I have to go through it manually and clean it up. And then I send it over to, um, you know, our finance team who then checks it and then they distribute the funds to the artists. Through an ETH transfer. And I mean, uh you know, and to now it is eighty-nine artists, right? And um Well, there's you know, some IP
0: for you to build, right?
1: It is unbelievable what needs to be built in terms of the infrastructure of this ecosystem.
0: Yeah. And there's another opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Knowing you, you see opportunity everywhere, but just doing I, that, distributing royalty payments essentially, is needs to be done.
1: I think, I think much like you and much like many of the people who listen to Real Vision and, and, and enjoy sort of the content that you create, like I wake up every morning, whether it's a bull market or a bear market, and all I see is opportunity, right? Um, you gave this amazing analogy earlier, and I want to throw it back to you for a second, on um, a beach ball being held underwater, right? That's how I feel Web3 is every day, right? And, um, you know, like, you know it, I know it. I'm willing to bet that every person who listens to, to you online and, and you know on Twitter and, and watches this knows it. Um, when you touch web three, it's hard to ever go back. And the reason it's hard to ever go back is it's really fun. And the reason it's really fun is because everywhere you look, you see opportunity and you just can't believe that it exists surround you. And you can see how that opportunity taps into existing trend lines in society at the global level, at the macro level, and at the micro level. Right. And um and like your analogy earlier, and I want to at one point during the conversation get back to it on on this beach ball being held underwater is amazing because like, that's all I see every day is a beach ball underwater.
0: I'm just using it everywhere. Just I mean, you know If you think about it, what is the, you know, the beach ball underwater is because, you know, air is lighter than water and it floats. But what that air is in this equation is the energy in the Web3 community, right? That energy is infectious, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's there's opportunity, and you can't keep that down. So we've got this macro environment that's keeping it down right now, but that energy is just expanding. You know, since I spoke to you last, we've been in a bear market all the way through. Yet you're building out all this stuff. I'm building out all this stuff, and everybody is. So the moment the liquidity environment changes that you and I were talking about off camera, is the beach ball explodes. You know because you know you've introduced me to a few people. I've introduced you to some as well, people like Ticketmaster, right? Nobody even knows they've distributed 10 million NFTs. You know I've got to know the Web three team at Google, LinkedIn, Meta. I mean at
1: scale I, you look! You look you can go on to linkedin right now and and if you just go to like what if you search web3 amazon amazon has 40 job listings for web3 if if that doesn't send send a signal that something is happening i don't know what is you know the, my favorite thing is is this i started my career at wired in yeah. 2002 and i'll never forget i'll never forget that it was right after sort of like the dot-com implosion had taken place. Everything was being rebuilt. I'm watching the digital revolution being rebuilt. I'm right out of college and I'm super ignorant. And everyone is like, you were so cute thinking that this digital thing, that this internet thing would really work out. You're so cute thinking that I would ever want to order dog food online, right? It's like, well, last I checked, the biggest company in the world, Amazon delivers dog food online to me, right? Like, And so it's really funny how, you know, what people look at with Web3 today, which is they look at, um, you know, art and collectibles, and they think that that is the future of everything. And I think that art and collectibles is, is gonna be an important area uh, that's touched by web3 the same way that music is you know impacted by mp3s but ultimately like the infrastructure the efficiency of having a blockchain provide a single source of truth for brands to then build loyalty programs reward programs subscription programs membership programs that to me is is what is amazing and for anyone who looks at things through the lens of Transparent and non-transparent organizations, efficient versus non-efficient organizations or structures, Web3 is a beautiful opportunity for providing efficiency and transparency over time uh, from an infrastructure point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. So that's the beach ball, right? That's why it's because you can feel the energy. It's not like it's a hidden energy. You can feel it. And, you know, the moment that that happens, it's going to get interesting. Right. Let's move on a little bit to what the hell are you doing in television? And why didn't you tell me? Uh, Go on. It's, it's been public. We're in, we're in. I can't you know, keep like, up with your feed. You've got too much going on. So,
1: so, so if you look, like, I am. Um, one day I had on my screen at home right this is my home office sub um, I had the robotos on the screen, and my daughter walked into um, my office and she said, "Whoa, what is that?" I said it's the robotos." And she goes, um, "I said, "What do you see?" And she said, "I see science and math." And I thought that was really interesting. She saw the robotos and she saw science and math and It got me thinking, wow, you know, this great IP that is in the collectible realm and is 2D and flat really may have sort of an existence outside of of that space. And um, Maria Perez-Brown, who runs the kids division of Time Studios, lives about 20 blocks from me. And I said to her, meet me on the Upper West Side by Levan on 117th, right? I'm going to walk up to you. I go and I'm gonna explain something to you, and then I want you to explain something to me. And we went for this walk, and I explained to her what I was seeing in terms of IP creation um, in the Web3 space, right? There's no there's no sort of barriers blocking sort of creation, communities being able to form around ideas, and then television shows, in my opinion, could be developed out of that because a television show is far more complex to create. You need a story arc, you need a Bible, you need characters, you need it to be able to go for for themes and seasons. And so what I wanted to understand from her was, okay, if I showed you great IP, could you take that great IP and turn it into a television IP, right? And I started to walk her through the Roboto's, I started to walk her through the Littles, I started to walk her through Toy Boogers and a few others and um and she was totally game for it and so i started to connect her with you know all of the creators and you know we have a partnership with uh toy boogers uh creator doug we have a partnership with will lee uh the creator of the littles and we have a partnership with pablo stanley the creator of the Robotos and humankind to create new ip that will be turned into television shows and nirvana out of canada um uh has Gone into agreement with us to produce uh, the uh, Pablo Stanley and the Will We Creative, and it's it's amazing. I cannot wait for people to see it. I'm so excited. So where does blockchain and Web three come into this one? So what it comes into it is is um, what I saw was the communities are already there rallying around great creative, and all we were saying was was. It's not that this is going to be television in a new sort of way. Um, it's really going to be, we're looking for signals for for great creative original IP. Um, and I think that the blockchain uh, sends a signal that this is good creative and you should pay attention to it. Whereas in traditional structures, um, I don't think that those signals would ever come through. Like here's a real, can I give you a great mental exercise? that will blow your mind. Okay. Go on then. Imagine, imagine if I pitched to you. Okay, I'm going to pitch to you a business plan, right now, as Keith and Roll, and I'm going to say to you, Imagine if I dropped, and the numbers will be close, but they're not 100% accurate. So just bear with me, but they're close to what they really are in real life. But I said, Imagine if I said to you, Roll, listen, I have this crazy idea. Uh, for this IP, I'm going to drop 5,000 tokens. It's gonna have roughly 50% distribution on ownership. So people might own about two, maybe a few more, right, or less. Um, I can assure you that that people will be ravenous about it. People will come up with um, uh, alternative narratives. People will create galas around it. People will um, uh, turn it into folklore. Um, people will talk about it every day people will defend it like uh, like no other. Um, uh, they'll really have a sense of community. Um, it will have very little overhead. Um, it'll do about $25 million in, in secondary sales, and it'll probably make about two to $3 million in profit. Would you green light this business model for me? And you would yeah. say, of course, okay, now, Let me give you sort of the non-Web3 approach to what I just pitched you, okay? Imagine if I walked into a meeting and I said to you, Raul, I have this crazy idea for IP and we're gonna call it crypto dick butts, okay? (laughs) Because that's what I just pitched you, okay? (laughs) You'd be like, and I explained it to you, you'd be like, Keith, get out of my office. There's no way I'm gonna ever sort of green light that. Never, ever, am I ever greenlighting that? But my point is is this, is like what I like about this example, right, is is with Web3, you have a very original palette to create from where communities can emerge. And look, not every community is gonna be good and not every community is gonna be bad, right? But there's gonna be communities that are gonna emerge in Web3 that like I do think matter and that you should pay attention to. And in the traditional Hollywood world, there have been tremendous amount of gatekeepers, which is why you never see real originality coming out of Hollywood. You see remakes of things that, you know, essentially we've seen a million times before. You know, Thor, number six, the Avengers, number 17, Spider-Man number 18, right? Like, Hollywood's not coming out with things as original as something like Crypto Butts. And I know that that sounds ridiculous, but I think that Crypto Dickbutts actually represents the best of extreme creativity and the ability for a community to rally and
0: form around it. And I there think you go. How
1: did, do you? This is. This is. I bet you're going down this path, right? I like, didn't I knew think I'd we'd get be talking
0: anymore. crypto dick butts, but it doesn't surprise me because it's you. Right.
1: So, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you a question. What's the universal equation within the crypto dick butt community? If I was to throw it to you.
0: One dick equals one butt, obviously.
1: Well, well, there you go. You just looked at me like I was an idiot. Where you just said, "Obviously, right?" But like, there you—you you just to a T proves my point. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, really, a lot of this is—I presume—is your old boss, Kevin Kelly, at um, Wired, right? It was his idea, yeah. the thousand true fans. That was his famous essay, and this is what crypto dig butts is. It's a thousand true fans who will it into existence. Yes. So, I um, can I show you something really cool? Go on. Then.
1: This is so, fun. so only because you said Kevin Kelly. Do you know he made this? Look at this. It's like it's literally like an eighty-page, eighty-pound book set of his wow. photography through Asia, right? And I have it over here. And the reason is is I have about. I have a ton of Kevin Kelly books. Kevin Kelly, just if, if you don't know, was one of the founders of Wired. He was actually there before I was there. But I think that his writing is amongst the most influential on my thinking. Whether it's a thousand true friend fans, or, you know, he has a thesis of, you know, no technology's ever been used for good that can't be used for bad and vice versa, or the future is ultimately defined by optimists, right? And I think his writing has really, you know, left an indelible mark on my thinking.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. So with the TV idea, so you're tokenizing the IP and then taking it to TV and then looking for wherever this goes to. Is that what it is? Because I'm starting to see, obviously, you and I both know um, Ben Mesrich. Um love him, ben. you know, Ben is doing this and I just think it's it's the future of everything. And that's what that's how you're doing it. You're you're raising capital within the the blockchain space. How, how, how are you doing so it? So I, I think you're actually overcomplicating it. It's actually even easier than that. It's
1: we're looking for signals, right? So is there a creator that has an unbelievably powerful audience? A web three right?
0: creator like like mm-hmm. like Micah has, like for example. Family,
1: like Micah, right? Like... Um, you know, is there a creator that has an unbelievable sort of following, an audience, a signal, right? And how can we build off of that that community sort of dedication right, to it. create original IP?
0: Got it. Okay, let's talk about the other part of what you've been looking at as well, the B two B side as well, because sure. you're not doing enough, Keith. I, you know, so you're a slacker. That's what I've <laughs> I mean, always said.
1: That's part of Web three, right? Is is it is it's always changing. So, you know, like what we saw with timepieces was, you know, while it's an amazing consumer extension, it's also an amazing insights engine for us, right? And it gives us an idea as to, in real time, how is sort of the world evolving in Web3? And the reality of the world in Web3 is, is that it evolves very, very, very fast. So things that worked three months ago don't work today. Right? Things that engaged three months ago don't engage today. And, you know, Timepieces, because we, you know, have it staffed up and we have a great team and it's really focused on it, Timepieces is constantly sort of looking at how are we continuing to ensure high engagement amongst our community? And then how can we take that engagement and how can we take that? the management and turn it into insights and learnings that we can help other brands and organizations enter into Web three. And that was my thesis to you know uh, Mayor Suarez, right? Which was, um, you know, cities are increasingly challenged to find new revenue streams, and um, you know um, they're also increasingly challenged to find new relationships with their you know constituency. And you know what better way to do that than to create not a community in um, the traditional sense, because no city could ever manage a community the way that like a private brand could manage it, but rather, how could you create a sort of um, a utility token that could generate revenue? And you know, um we were very fortunate that you know I'm friends and close friends with Raja over at MasterCard, who's amazing. And I called him up and I said, How would you feel if we created tokens for the city of Miami that ultimately gave access into MasterCard's priceless Miami program, which is one of their most successful programs, and then also went to the team at Salesforce, who we're very close with, and I sit on the Web3 advisory board for them, and said, you know, like, we can't necessarily build all the infrastructure for a city, you can. So how can you do the back end for everything? And we'll manage the front end, the strategy, the relationships with the artists, how we go to market. And MasterCard will do the utility. And and ultimately, you as Salesforce will do the sort of back end. Um, that was one example. Um, you know, the other example that's public is, you know, Galaxy Digital, right? You know, Mike has been incredibly supportive of the web three ecosystem through galaxy digital and the investments that they've made in, in it and you know he wanted to make sure that um, you know that, that that the ecosystem saw that like he was participating in it right and so he created essentially what is a, a loyalty token for um members within the galaxy digital family and um, what we did was we looked at their logo and we auto-generated the logo into, you know, 3,210 um, unique sort of, um, uh, uh, sort of varieties. And then we partnered with three timepiece artists, right? And we asked the artists, will you create generative art that would equally be unique? So every piece was completely a unique piece unto itself, and ultimately, we allow sort of the community to gather it through just a drop, an airdrop, not a mint, um, uh, so that way they could sort of gain access into the galaxy sort of ecosystem. And I think the things that people don't see, and this is the other thing, is is we consistently are advising companies on how to enter into Web three and to think about sort of the bigger play of Web three. Um, and some of those are public; those are not public.
0: Um, amazing. I'm going to tell you a story because you'll like this. So, I get invited by um, David Pemps, my co founder of Science Magic Studios, to go to London. And, and he introduced me to the, the chairman of Sarchi and Sarchi. And I go in and he says, like, I want you to present to the marketing group of Great Britain. It is all the CMOs of everybody, including the kind of US firms who have the, the big you know, UK HQs. Um, and it's a black tie at Claridge's, and it's a bit stuffy, but I want you to shake them up a bit and you know, tell them about Web3. So I'm like, sure. You know, I've done plenty of presenting in my time, and I was not concerned. So I go to Claridge's, beautiful place in my black tie to go out and buy myself a black tie because I'm in the jeans and T-shirt world these days. And so I'm really feeling slightly like this is weird because I've not dressed like this for a while. So I sit there and present, and I do it in the kind of round and let people ask questions as we go. And it turned hostile. One woman stood up and said, This is a scam. This is like CDOs. This is like 2008. You're going to blow up every. This is a scam. How dare you do this? And about 25% of the room, these are the senior, most senior marketing people in Europe, stood up and applauded. I was like, Wow. And it was yeah. the fear of change that was coming. Because these people were the survivors. They're all white people in their 50s and 60s. And these were the people who had survived the internet. Mm-hmm. And they thought they'd won the battle. And now no. the new battle is coming. And they're shitting themselves. So can
1: I can I give you, I, I love this story. Could I Can I give you like
0: a, a- I was shocked, by the way. I've never been shocked at an audience. But go on, carry on. So,
1: i love I love that people have such strong opinions over a technology, okay? That's all it is, right? It's just a token that verifies ownership on a blockchain, right? And yet it's somehow become politicized and confused and um, distorted. Um, but I'll give you here's here's what I do on my free time because I'm such an exciting individual. Like literally, roll, here are my two beverages of consumption, okay? Seltzer and coffee, right? Like, Pro- Pro- Pro-
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> great taste, okay. So, like, I don't really, like, I don't have a hobby. I like, I read, that's my hobby. Or I um, I like to work. I actually love working. I, and And Web3 is a wonderful space for insomniac workaholics, okay? And what I will say is, is over the summer, I had a moment where I just said, okay, I want to see something for myself. I don't want to Google it. I want to see it for myself. And I went into the Fortune archives and I Googled Fortune 100 1992, right? And I looked at the top 100 companies that were listed on the Fortune 100 in 1992. And the reason I chose that was Wired was founded in 93. So I felt that 92 was the beginning of Web 1, right? And I was like, "Who are those companies?" And I did it. I have a spreadsheet, and it's on my computer. I could send it to you if you want to get it afterwards. Okay, I'd like to say it. Yeah, who are the companies? And then I said, "Okay, um, ten years goes by, right?" So I just said arbitrarily, let's go one decade goes by. What's the Fortune 100 look like in 2002, right? So I can't control the fact 2002 is actually like com is imploded, so like everything's happened. And what I found, and these are rough numbers, but they, they're illustrative, but they're true. Uh, what I found was 10 years after Web1 began, roughly 75% of the companies that were on the Fortune 100 in 1992 were not on the Fortune 100 in 2002. And of the 25% that were, 85% were lower than where they were a decade earlier. Okay. So then I said, okay, that's interesting. Let's look at Web2, right? So Web2, I said, in my mind, I was like, it started in 2007. That's really when Web2 really took off. And I'm like, okay, so who were the Fortune 100 in 2007, and who were they in 2017? And 10 years later, roughly the same thing was held true. 75% of the companies, roughly, were no longer on the Fortune 100, and of the 25% that were, Instead of the 85% going down, the 85% actually went up. So they learned this time, a very small percentage learned. So now I ask, like, you're in this room, and we're two years into what I would say is Web3, right? And Web3, I'd say, probably starts roughly in 2020. And the question I would ask is, is, do you really want to be on the opposing side of this bet with me? That in eight years from now, you're going to be one of the companies that A, is going to still be on the Fortune 100, and then B, if you are, you'll be up versus down. right? And I think that what I see is two things. One is is, um, the first time that this technological revolution took place, it caught a lot of people off guard, and it reset a lot. The second time it took place, it caught a lot of people off guard but a small percentage actually paid attention and 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 played it right. The third time it's going to take place in our life, I think it's still going to catch a lot of people off guard, right? And it's going to be interesting who actually comes to the table and who doesn't. The company that doesn't surprise me more than any other company, Starbucks, right? Starbucks is the first brand to really jump into web3 at the mass level with, you know, their loyalty program with the Odyssey. But when I was at Bloomberg, we used to use this tool on the terminal to scrape their quarterly reports. And I could have told you every single time because we went out as a sales team and showed this, that Starbucks used the word mobile five times as much as their competitive set, right? For years. And lo and behold, who has the best mobile app in retail? Starbucks, I would argue, has one of the best mobile apps in retail. Like look at where their revenues derived from. Like Starbucks is a really progressive, excellent sort of thinking and positioned organization for um, uh, leading other companies into sort of seeing what's possible. Like they take a lot of risks first. Um, the other thing I know, and I think you know this to be true too, is you know, a every company is a lipitor ad, right? And what I mean by that is, is like every company looks amazing on the outside. Right, but has issues on the inside, and like I don't care who you are listening to this podcast. Right, think about any company that you admire, and I could show you every flaw inside the company. Okay, like every every company, it's it's, and it's true, and it's because people are involved. Right, everyone wants to think that. <laughs> That business would be business would be so easy if people weren't involved, right? If it was everything was automated. But because people are involved, things become irrational, and because things become irrational, every company is a libertarian. That is my philosophy on life, okay? That on on business at least. And and uh, for real, right? Like, and what we know is books like The Innovators Dilemma wouldn't come out and wouldn't be so successful if they didn't hit on something that was really true. And what we know is true here is A, the technology that Web3 provides is actually cheaper than the alternatives, right? Um, uh, And that's scary for a lot of people. And people will sort of resist where they can. But B, we're in a weird economic environment. I mean, you are the pro on this one. Like, you know this better than I. All I know is one simple truth, which is no company enters into a recession and leaves a recession looking the same way, right? I don't care which way they look, they just look different, right? And oftentimes they're disrupted. And I think that what a lot of people worry about with Web3 adoption is, if we're gonna enter into this world where like there's a lot of economic uncertainty and change taking place, are we gonna be able to figure out how to evolve our strategy to adopt to web three when like in some instances, it's hard to adopt to even web two, right? And keep it going on web two. And and I think that what you saw there more than anything else is fear, right? But what I love about your story is I'd rather have love or hate than indifference, right? If you gave that speech, and everyone was like, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Raul. Have a great day, right? It's the worst. <laughs> it's
0: the worst. I would be
1: like, I'd rather just like, I'd rather never have traveled and never have done that. But I'm willing to bet that that the woman who stood up and said, it's a scam, screamed at you, you know, either she will own that for the rest of her life or she'll like find herself and her opinions being challenged and slowly over time realize, whoa, 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 I don't know why I need to have such a strong opinion against a technology. Let me see how I can think about how this technology can activate marketing or the company better. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger,
0: L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at
1: Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot lot there. And what is interesting, and you raised upon a point, and you've been an eye-opener for me in this, and I think we've both been through the same journey where random people tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, can I have a chat? And it's the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, they get this earlier than you would imagine because they learn from the last time around. So I don't know who's going to be the survivor, but Google know and I've just come off a call with Google now, they know that they're going to have to give up the ad model at some point. It's just a matter of managing it. And Mark Zuckerberg's being punished for this, but he knows what he's got to do. Whether he pulls it off or not, it's a different matter. But it's it's really interesting to see. I mean, talk because you're there, and whatever you can publicly disclose. But Salesforce, how are they thinking about this?
1: Well, I mean, I'm 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 friends with them, right? That's like, right. So like, you, you you advise
0: them a bit, and you're you know, obviously the same owner. You know, I, I think that I love. I, I love that team. I think that you know. But what are they? Th- um, what are they thinking about? That they want to tr- provide the architecture so businesses can operate in this world. Or yeah, I
1: mean, you know, when when they built web, the Salesforce NFT cloud, the Salesforce NFT cloud was really how do you you know enable a company to ultimately mint and then enter into the ecosystem to create a token. And then I think one of the most important aspects is is thinking about what's the future of CRM. Right. And, you know, this is my opinion more than Salesforce's opinion, because like I do not work there. And and, you know, I just I talk to them quite a bit. But, you know, what people don't think about in terms of uh, Web 2 versus Web 3 is is it's it really comes down to choice. Right. Um, In Web 2, you're a renter. And in Web 3, you have the choice. Do I want to be a renter or would I like the option to be an owner? Right. Web 2, you don't have that choice. In web two, you don't control your privacy, but in web three, you have a choice. Do I wanna not control my privacy or do I wanna control my privacy, my personal information? And I think that when you all of a sudden enter in that choice, right? Do I wanna be an owner? Do I wanna be a renter? Do I wanna control my privacy or do I want to just have my personal information extracted which is what happens when you're on Facebook or you know Instagram. Um, when you open up that choice, it opens up an entire new model for what does CRM management look like, right? And when you think about what their model is, I think that they're an incredible organization that's set up to have essentially a membrane around the entire world as it relates to existing CRM structure of known consumers, right? But there's gonna be an entire new moment of consumers that are unknown in terms of personal information. Like, I don't know it's you, Raul, or me, Keith. I only know a wallet address. But there's still a lot of information and insights to be gleaned off of those individuals. And by the way, um, there are moments where it's not that these individuals want to remain anonymous. It's that these individuals want the choice of volunteering their anonymity as opposed to being told, like, just because you come onto Instagram, now all of a sudden Facebook knows everything you're doing, right, and who you are. And you need to have that structure in place to be able to capture That moment where the consumer says, I give you my consent, right? Like, I want to give you my consent. And so I think that the rise of Web3 creates an entirely new CRM relationship for companies and brands and and consumers. And people who challenge me on, well, people want to remain anonymous in Web3, like, I actually don't believe that's true. I think that consumers want to control their anonymity. And here's two examples I would point to. Last year at Time, we said to our community, Um, we have five tickets to the time person of the year. If you would like to attend, um, you have to tell us who you are and you have to take a PCR test. And thousands of people volunteer their information. And you could say, well, that's time and you've built a community around that, right? Um, And so I'd say, well, that's great. Well, let me give you a much larger example. Uh, Twitter said, if you give me $3 a month, I will verify your identity to your wallet. And give you a hexagonal sort of um, uh, pfp and they essentially created the world's largest doxing of wallets unknown addresses to identities right like uh hopefully the irs is giving them a tax break right um but all kidding aside um but um like what you saw there really and and without joking is you saw the consumer saying the individual saying wow I love that Twitter's allowing me to do this. I want to do this. Here's my $3. Now let me verify that I own this NFT, right? And I think that that choice is a huge, huge, huge advantage to lean into for any company, especially in a world where you're seeing a rise in GDPR. CCPA, the sunsetting of third party cookies, they all know that this also, business model
0: to change. Also, what's really interesting, if you think about the example that you gave earlier, is there's a value exchange. I will release my anonymity in exchange for value, right? Right now, you don't get it and they monetize it. So Google monetizes it or Facebook monetizes it. But in your example of the tickets, it's like, well, you release your anonymity and in exchange you get a chance to get a ticket. If you want to take that trade, you can. And if you don't, you don't. But you're exchanging value for your identity, which I think is a massive breakthrough. Because we can all get paid for using our identity. It'd be a nice passive 100%. income.
1: And, and what people don't realize is in Web 2, your identity is extractive, right? Like I go onto Twitter, I go onto Instagram, I go onto LinkedIn. Um, I am able to build who I am in return for who I am. Right? right. And you sell the whole soul. Right. And and in web three, you might not give who you are, but you're able to build an identity. And there's still a lot of information that comes off of that. Right. But but it's different information. And it's just different insight patterns that you have to start to look for. And then if ultimately you want to sort of connect the individual to their identity. You have to give the consumer a reason. You have to give them that choice to volunteer it. And
0: I think that that's nice. That's nice. So, final question, um, because we've already gone through an hour, and we could do this for three hours, you and I. I love
1: our time together, Rule. You know I that. Know.
0: I've got to come to New York. We've got to go to properly have dinner and sit down for multiple hours. way,
1: but- for everyone who, who is listening in on this, the second I saw Raul for the first time ever at the SALT conference, I like ran over and gave him a huge hug. Right? Yeah. It was just amazing. Was so a big
0: hug fest. It's totally. <laughs> right. My final question for you, if there's a business that should tokenize that hasn't done it, what would it be? Here's mine, just to give you the example. I think Peloton. If you want to turn that business around think of all the competition amongst the cyclists think of the creators who are creating the the stuff think of what it could do to f- peloton to completely turn it around from which right now is a scary economic system so that's mine what's yours
1: i love i love that um so i'm obsessed with what NFTs and this technology can do for rewards and loyalty programs and membership, right? So if I was if I was to think about the industries that that I think could be revolutionized the most quickest, I I would say the
0: ones that that I just that that blow my mind are give me one company. I don't want broad brushstrokes. You don't want broad, okay. No, I want one company you think these guys, if they do this, it's a game changer.
1: Marriott Bonvoy, right? If they tokenized their loyalty program, I think it would be game changer. If I could also, if I give an industry, I think the airlines and their loyalty programs, if they they tokenize their loyalty programs, right now, all of us are held hostage to their loyalty programs as renters. And, and they're they, massively
0: I, inflationary. So they get yep. devalued. Yep. And
1: so if they all of a sudden turned it over into an ownership program where I didn't have to earn my way up to platinum or diamond status, but I could buy it, or if I earned it, I could sell it, um, uh, I think it would be unbelievably game changing for all of them. And I think that people would, would have a completely different relationship with these,
0: with these organizations. And one more thing to add to that. I think all of their tickets, airline tickets and hotel rooms should be NFTs. So 100%. then when, when I go to New York and I suddenly have to cancel at the last minute, I've got a secondary marketplace. The hotel loves it because at least somebody's using the room and buying dinner and whatever. I get mm-hmm. to release some of the value from it. And as a buyer, you're getting discounted stuff. Everybody's a winner. Same for airline tickets. I mean, you brought up in the beginning,
1: and I think it's the most fascinating: is Ticketmaster has dropped 10 million NFTs, and nobody's talking about it. And you know, a great example, and a huge kudos to him with his Gary Vaynerchuk and V friends and, and, and uh, uh, a Vcon. You know, he took a ticket that devalued down to zero and at VCon announced a partnership with Snoop Dogg and then said, oh, by the way, if you have this ticket that the NFT is actually now worth zero, um, I'm now updating the metadata and it's now worth something because it's dialed into the Snoop Dogg partnership. And uh, you you have an entire industry that essentially their product goes to zero upon usage that all of a sudden can find itself you know, um, rethinking its relationship with consumers and value, right? And I think that that is
0: unbelievable. love that. Keith, amazing conversation as ever, and it's left us at least another couple of hours of conversation to have at some point. but look brilliant, always, always I'm always inspired by all the things you're doing, how fast you're moving, and it's always fun to chat.
1: Well, the feeling is mutual, my friend, and I love what you all are building over at Real Vision. And you know, anytime you invite me, you know, I'll always take it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on today. You're
0: going to do an interview for us as well, aren't you? I am. I am. Am I doing it with you? No, you're doing it on your own, unaided (laughs) by safety net.
1: I love this. Okay, yes, and can I can I plug it? Yeah, of course you can. With Kiara Byrne at Condé Nast, who I think is is just an absolutely incredible mind who never, never beats her chest on the incredible stuff that she's doing and who I have just an unbelievable amount of respect for and I've known for over 10 years. And so I I can't wait to-
0: Bizarrely enough, I know her as well. So it's, it's fantastic. Keith, brilliant. Good to see you, my friend. Have a great one. My key takeaways from an interview with Keith are A, I don't know how he finds the time to do everything he does. And that's the world of web three. Um, there's so much going on, so much opportunity. I think that was a really important point that he gets excited because of the amount of opportunity because everything is getting disrupted. Now you hear those flippant comments of everything's being disrupted, but Keith goes through. Concrete examples of how the TV industry is being disrupted. What's happening at Salesforce? What's happening at the mega brands? How he's seeing loyalty points at um, Starbucks. Who's the innovators? How the innovation world works. So there is so much to learn from what he's doing, and also the transparency with which he conducts his business at time because it's all on blockchain is again an inspiration for how things should be done. So I I think. Keith is somebody to always follow. Follow him on Twitter. Get involved in the Time community. I own one of the Time Accus, And also, just listen to what he says, because he's telling you the future. And if you listen hard enough, you'll know where it's going. Hi, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I've got a free membership waiting for you. If you want to understand the future of everything, then understanding digital assets is the key. We're not ever going back to a pre-crypto world. Blockchain technology is transforming literally everything, from communities, to healthcare, to real estate, to, well, everything. That's why in 2020, we launched Real Vision Crypto, the world's premier cryptocurrency and digital assets video channel. Right now, Real Vision Crypto is helping more than 300,000 members around the world understand the biggest wealth creation opportunities in a generation. And maybe of all time. And even better, Real Vision Crypto is completely free. All you need to do is input your email address, and you get full access to all of the videos and the incredible emails, too. Please visit RealVisionCrypto.com, that's RealVisionCrypto.com, and start learning about this incredible world.